Welcome to episode 60 of the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. Today we're back with part two of our riveting review of 1983's Octopussy. And so, without further ado, take it away, Mr. Brosnan. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. <laughs> Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. Pussy galore. Felix Slater. His name's Jaws. He kills people. And stop roll blowfell. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Bond, what do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. You amuse me, Mr. Bond. Do you expect me to talk? Sorry, old man. Section 26, paragraph 5. Need to know. Sure you understand. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Recording from an undisclosed hot air balloon floating around with an old man and his gadgets. It's Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Ben Esslinger, and with me, as should always be the case, Jason Greenberg. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Hey, we're back. We are back. To finish the tale we could not complete before. Oh, well, it's quite the long tale. And uh, wait till you hear what we still got in store for you. Oh, yeah. We've definitely made it our mission for the uh, the end of 2023 to get you a podcast that is actually twice as long as the, as the movie itself. <laughs> and I believe we have been successful. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll follow up and find out exactly <laughs> the difference <laughs> in an upcoming Intel report. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's been a lot of fun and merriment, and uh, uh, maybe we should just jump onto it and let the listeners get it out of their system. All right. Well, let's do that. All right. So when last we left our story, we had concluded the Bond escape of peril. And moved on to other things. So we then cut back to a notepad uh, with an outstandingly good illustration of the octopusy. Uh, I don't know if this, I don't know if Bond drew this or if Sajurin drew this. Sajurin's holding the notepad, but. I don't know. I mean, James Bond can do anything he wants, right? So That's true. I'm sure he's an artist too. Yeah. I mean, he could be like Ethan Hunt. He could be one of those people that can, yes. that can draw incredibly good character drawings. Of <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on his hand if he on wanted to. On his hand to. if he needs to with a ballpoint pen. <laughs> That's right. But uh, <laughs> basically, Sadruden is telling us that it's the sign of an old secret order of female bandits and smugglers. You know, like you have. Like you have in India. <laughs> you know, you know kind of like the thuggy cult. <laughs> Only they were women. Right. Bond then identifies the name of the octopus in a true Bond knows everything oh, moment. Yes, very much so. He gives the the scientific... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has a venom that can kill someone in seconds. Now, I wonder if this is a real octopus. So I've never heard of any octopuses that can kill people. I have no idea. Octopuses do terrify me, though. Yeah. Actually, squids are creepier to me than than octopus they're all just kind of globbly and flobbly yeah, and like wingly dingly do i don't i don't like anything that you can use those things to describe anyway he tells a Sudruden that the the barge on the lake also had the same sign on it Sudruden informs bond that that belongs to a fabulously wealthy woman who lives in the floating palace <laughs> no one knows her real name just octopus <laughs> octopus and he said it with a straight face, ladies and gentlemen. Like she no just said, big deal. Like, and her name is Maud. <laughs> Imagine if somebody told you that in real life. <laughs> yeah, you see that house over there? That belongs to Octopussy. Who? 
Yeah, you know, octopusy. You know, she's oct- she's got a whole barrage of women who work for her. They're all like female assassins. And uh, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you mean octopusy? Octopusy. I know who Octopusy is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so VJ mentions that Octopusy's island is women only. Naturally, Bond wants to pay a visit in the most ridiculously misogynistic oh, possible God. way he could say it. <laughs> really? Sexual discrimination. I'll definitely have to pay it a visit. <laughs> also, why the hell is VJ giving Bond a massage in this scene? It's so weird. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> we cut to a crocodile sort of swimming through the water. This is in my, it's this and the yo-yo saw blade. My two favorite gadgets in the whole movie. This is really cool. I guess it kind of qualifies as a, it's really more of a vehicle. I suppose it is, but it's, it feels like a gadget because. Because of what it is, right? Because of what it is. But surprise, surprise, it's not actually a crocodile. It's a crocodile shaped one man submersible, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And excellent. Yeah, almost like uh, Moore's version of the bird from Connery's Head and Goldfinger. Yeah, which, just uh, as ridiculous. It's just as ridiculous, but serves almost the exact same purpose. Right. Right? I do love when the mouth opens and you just see Moore yes. looking up. Mm. <laughs> well, and I like the fact that at least with this one, you don't have to go through the justification of a wetsuit. Yes. So we get Bond going in, doing the sneaky, sneaky thing. And as we do, we see Octopussy getting out of the water naked and putting on her octopus robe. I mean, she's really on the nose. <laughs> it's very Batman. It really is. <laughs> she you know? needs some octopus shark repellent. Yeah, some octopus repellent. And on her octopus utility belt, <laughs> while they go down to the Octopussy Cave, and they jump Which is into also the- another thing I probably don't think I should say. <laughs> they got to jump into the octopusy mobile and go down the octopusy poles. It, wow, <laughs> that one's singing. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so a gong hits. Mealtime, perhaps. <laughs> and all the ladies literally get up and vacate the pool area. And there are a lot of ladies in this pool area yes. to vacate. Yeah. Right? Bond sneaks his way uh, around until he finds Octopussy's quarters. How he finds this is anybody's guess. He's James Bond. <laughs> He's James Bond. That, that's all you need for that explanation. Now, she sees him coming in the security cameras. And finally, she turns around and we get the reveal. And surprise, it's Maude Adams. Who would have guessed? I mean, I was... For a minute, it's like, is it going to be Linda Carter? Because it's like the city of the Amazons over here. Why wouldn't we have Wonder well, Woman there? Well, you know, there is that. And I'm like, man, what if one, What if Linda Carter had been Octopussy? That would have oh been Oh, my something. God. That would have been incredible. Although, I have to say, there is a lot of physical similarity between Maude Adams and Linda Carter. Both had the piercing blue eyes, strong jaws. They're both tall, the dark brunette hair. Right. I'm just There's- like... If they'd made like the Wonder Woman movie that Gal Gadot was in yeah. back then, Mod Mod Adams, well, Mod Adams could have been Wonder Woman's mom. Oh, yeah. For sure. For, for sure. Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. Yeah. Instead of the chick that they got her from before. I, but anyway, we don't need to go into this. This is a spy podcast. <laughs> she already knows who he is. And you can see genuine surprise on his face when she relays that information back to him. So you're the mysterious <laughs> octopusy. <laughs> and you're James Bond. <laughs> I'm an idiot. How did you know that? <laughs> because, Mr. Bond, everyone knows who you are. You tell them all the fucking time. <laughs> So Bond has her at gunpoint and starts questioning her about smuggled jewelry and the death of 009. She claims not to know anything, which, you know, you kind of get the impression is true. Yeah. But then goes on to tell him that Major Dexter Smythe, 
Is there a more British sounding name than that? Would have had a hyphenated last name, would have mean like yeah. you know, Dexter Windsor Major Smythe. Major Dexter Windsor Smythe St. James. St. John Smythe St. James. That's where he got the Smythe name from for the yeah. next uh, movie. Yeah. Anyway, she tells him that Major Dexter Smythe was her father, um, and then goes on some And this is all the stuff that's in the actual octopusy book. Explaining or, or the story. character's background. Yeah. We're kind of getting this whole flashback moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> she goes on to explain that Smythe was someone who the British Secret Service had sent out to retrieve a cache of Chinese gold that was seized in North Korea. He disappeared with the gold and went missing for 20 years before Bond was sent out to arrest him. Bond doesn't arrest people. Yeah, I know. It's a weird... It's interesting. I wonder how faithful this is to the actual... Well, I feel like you could have used anything like to bring him in for yeah, questioning, something like to that. find out the location of the gold and eliminate him, which actually would have been the real mission. Right. But anyway, to arrest him. But instead of facing a court martial, Bond gives him the honorable opportunity to allow Smythe to kill himself. Right. To which uh, Octopussy, instead of wanting to kill Bond, he's like, "I suppose you want to take it revenge or whatever." He says, "Right." Signal. Like, no, I wanted to tell you, thank you for thank you for giving my father the honorable way out. Right. So now you're like, oh. Well, she's not such a bad dame after all, right? Yeah. You know, she's I bet- just she's like a, a Han Solo Lando Calrissian type character. She's kind of scoundrelly. Kind of scoundrelly, like, you know, she's she's smuggling stuff. She's selling a little bit of illegal goods here and there, but she's not. But as she points out, she's a businesswoman. Yeah, she's a businesswoman. She has a moral code. Yeah. It's not about just being evil for evil's sake. That's right. She's not trying to blow up the world or, right. you know, whatever else. She's just in it. To make sure that her piece of the pie remains hers. And her ladies. And her ladies. So we're, that's good, you know. And you're like, I, I bet you James Bond's going to nail her. Because uh, <laughs> she's such a nice person. That's right. <laughs> so at this point in time, as they're being chummy chummy, yeah. Kamal Khan shows up to alert her that Bond has escaped again. Comes back to the scene <laughs> we were talking about, about the, the tall blonde girl in the Greatest American Incredible Outfit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of like... Just, Mm. <laughs> you know, but she walks in as he as he comes strolling in, and she just glances over. There's Bond, and he's all like, "Hey there, don't hey there. say anything. Be quiet, please." Right, but then she looks over. She's like, "Well, she seems cool with it, so we're rolling." <laughs> so Octopussy then announces Bond is her house guest, who then comes out from behind the door. We get more excellent pronunciation from Louis Jordan. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Well, you know what they say about the fittest. Well, you know what they say about the fittest. <laughs> As he's handing champagne over right. to Octopussy, <laughs> right. Khan offers to take care of Bond personally, but she declines. He then walks out in a huff because he's like, I guess I'm not the big man in company. <laughs> hmm. Octopussy then goes on to talk about her father's knowledge of octopi. We're using the word octo so many yeah. times and here. Can I just say... This moment. This is the one time that I would have made the exact same face. When Octopussy goes on to say that her father's nickname for her was my oh. little was my little Octopussy. Uh-huh. And Bond just kind of goes, Ugh. Uh, he, Yeah, I was right there right along with him. Your dad. <laughs> Your dad called you this. Okay. Right. Uh, Maybe it's a good thing he ended up with a bullet in his head. Yeah. Oh. Kind of a uneasy family dynamic going on there. And I just I just feel like <laughs> if that was something that truly came from the book, it makes more sense. Okay. Right? Yeah. 
But also it was written by people who lived in 1980-something. And maybe we didn't do that. Maybe we made the choice to not do that. And yet we made the choice to do that. (laughs) And so, like the other cringy moment in 1983 where you find out that Luke was actually making out with his sister. Right. We get another perhaps not appropriate for this type of movie situation here. With a single word. Yeah. I just have to bring up, before we move on, I have to mention the fact, this deflated look of Bond when Octopussy sends him off to his own room. Oh, yeah, To sleep. He's like, so like, okay, well, I'll see you in the morning, I guess. (laughs) I guess I'll just go sleep by myself. (laughs) You realize why I'm here, right? (laughs) I'm only here for one reason. Have you not been watching the rest of the movie? (laughs) This is what I do. This is what I do, Scott. (laughs) I bed bed the women. I bed the women that show up in my movie. I bed the women and then I find out information from them. And then they die. And then they usually die. But not in this case. But not in this one. So so we cut back to Khan and Gobinda in some divey-looking bar thingy. Yeah. uh, Talking to some straight-out-of-central casting thugs, (laughs) including the guy with the heavy makeup on his damaged eye. Yeah, and the bad teeth and the whole... The whole whole, nine yards. They're trying to convince them to kill Bond now. (laughs) And the leader's like, no, we don't want to make trouble with the woman. Yeah. And, you know... Bags of gold are thrown at him until he finally decides, okay, we will mess with the woman. And then <laughs> Khan tells them, don't harm the woman. And they're like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm, he, just, mm-hmm. he just nods his head. Right. And then they, <laughs> the picture that Magda got. Yes. We now get the payoff. We get the payoff for that picture is we got Bond sitting in his tuxedo with the wine or the uh-huh. champagne glass. Uh-huh. And then the thug that's at the upper level of the, the dilapidated yo-yo, yo-yo bar. blade guy. Yo-yo blade. The, uh, neo-punk band of Japan for that's right. 1983 sends that thing down cuts the picture in half doesn't damage any of the cards they're playing poker with by the way so yeah. this guy is deadly accurate yeah he's good and then we get the laughs so campy all I got so campy all I got from that laugh was the guy that tries to stab Marion in Raiders <laughs> of Lost Ark right with the frying pan and everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yeah, it was just too much for me on that one. We then do a cut to a quick shot of Q on stakeout fishing. Yes. Right? Because that's not inconspicuous or anything like that. On the watch for Bond on the other side of the water. Meanwhile, we've got Bond and Octopussy outside talking. And oh my God, so much talking. This is the long drawn out underwater fight that I can't stand in Thunderball. Right. But this is this is Octopussy's version of it. Right. It's, just, it's, it's verbal fencing. It's just, yeah. Octopussy is talking about uh, how when her father's gold ran out, he paid her a commission to smuggle consignments of diamonds. That confused me a little when I first watched it. Why is dad paying you money if he has no gold? Yeah, if he's out of money... But okay. So she gets the diamonds. She found out that she was good at smuggling and went into business for herself, uh, reviving this octopus cult that uh, was spoken of earlier as a way to hire a bunch of wayward women looking for a spiritual discipline of sort, which she gave them and trained them to be apparently circus people and smugglers. And smugglers and fighters and, and what have you. And whatever you need to be, apparently. Yes. So um, <laughs> she goes on to say that uh, much of her business now is legitimate. And this is what cracks me up. It's like, what is it? Shipping. It's so random. Well, it's so she random. says like she says like shipping imports carnivals and circuses. <laughs> like you know, those are natural extensions of one another. <laughs> right. 
know, circuses go hand in hand with shipping and... Now, in terms of smuggling, all of that makes sense. Yes. Right? Because like they're doing in this movie, you're smuggling things through a a circus, which goes everywhere. Yeah. So basically all of her businesses exist to help her smuggling. Right. But as you list them on your legitimate businesses... Right. It makes no sense at all. You know, it's like... Uh, well, you know, I own a multi-billion dollar tech company that builds rocket ships. I also own a the most worldwide known social media communication site, and I breed llamas. Right. Legit, sure, stupid, definitely. <laughs> so we cut to nighttime, and here comes VJ getting ready to relieve Q fishing. Nobody is wondering why this old British man has been sitting fishing <laughs> for hours, uh, for hours, <laughs> only to be relieved by VJ, <laughs> who, by the way, does not have a tennis racket. No, not this um, time. if he would have had a tennis racket, he might have been able to fend off Yo-Yo Sawblade Man. He might actually have been. He could have like hit it with a backhand <laughs> right back up <laughs> That's again. Right. right? VJ asks how uh, Bond is doing, and Q's like. <laughs> 007 on an island populated exclusively by women. We won't see him till dawn. (laughs) Cut to Bond snooping around a bit, finding a flyer for Octopussy Circus, which is happening where the event that he heard Khan and Orloff talking about, i.e. Karl Markstadt. Karl Markstadt. And this flyer just gave me, I'm just like, do we have circus flyers for Every woman that has pussy in her name in James Bond. <laughs> well, two for two. I'm just like, could it have been Octopussy's Flying Circus Galore? <laughs> Octopussy Galore's Flying Circus. Like, would it have been funny if you'd had a cameo from that actress? Yeah. As her pilot or something. Right? <laughs> oh my God. Now they would do that shit now, but they weren't gonna do that in 83 because no, they weren't shilling the uh the nostalgia quite so hard back then. Because it wasn't super nostalgia back then, Not yet. No. So maybe if we get a remake of this, we'll get that. But probably not. So Octopussy comes back in the room and her ladies are carrying her bags as she's going off on business the next day. She invites uh, Bond to stay there for the week. But of course, Bond isn't guaranteeing anything because he might have to get back to business. Well, why the hell would he stay there for a week anyway? Yeah, I mean... Unless he's going to... Well, okay. I, I mean... Can, I can give you some reasons. <laughs> I can give you roughly... What what was it? About 40 to 50? Yeah. On that, I mean, on that little island? He certainly could occupy himself. <laughs> yes, he could bide his time. But he's clearly infatuated with the one that isn't giving... Staying there. Yeah, so... Yeah, you know, go, you yeah. know... And this, well, this is really to get him into this whole thing about, you know, she tries to more or less seduce him to come over to her side of the force. Yes. And he's like, nope. And she's like, oh, king and country, fuck off. Right. Right. (laughs) And she gets so indignantly mad. It is interesting. About James Bond tricking queen and country over going into a smuggling business. Yeah. And it's like, well... Honestly, didn't he just meet you a day ago? Right, right. What did you think he was going to do? Right. But I mean, it's all a ploy. Yeah. All a ploy just to get her mad so that Bond can. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is too, is I think that she feels judged for being a smuggler. She's definitely conveying that she has a big chip on her shoulder. So maybe about... there's like a little bit of a defense mechanism almost. There, There is. 
But I mean, it's all just a play to get her mad enough that James has to go follow her and then right. very roughly kiss her. Yes, very Harrison Ford esque, like it's smash, just, face smash kiss. Right. It, it was just as uncomfortable as a kiss in Blade Runner, which <laughs> I'm just like, man. I mean, she's clearly okay with it at the end. At the end. At the end. Yeah, it's that whole like, we're going <sighs> to have her submit and. Melt. I mean, it wasn't Goldfinger level. No, no, not by not, any stretch not of the imagination. No. There was clearly an attraction there. Yes, to begin with. Whereas with the other pussy, that was not the case. <laughs> no, but it's still for that era of movie. It still seemed a little much, even for me. Eh, for for it, it tracks for. I mean, because that's right. That's in the same. I, I you know what? I guess you're right. I just said Harrison Ford. Man. Harrison Ford did it in Blade Runner, and it was just a year before. Yeah. But I don't know. I remember watching Blade Runner and being uncomfortable in that scene when I was 12. Yeah. Right? It really registered with me. Sure. So maybe I'm just a little more sensitive to it. But It would have been better if after he did that, Octopussy would have went, how dare you kiss me? And then she kissed him back. Yes. Like (laughs) we had in uh, The Last Crusade. That's right. Which seemed much more... Kindler and gentler. Yes. And playful. <laughs> and playful. I mean, I would have really liked, because they, they were really trying to give Octopussy more of an independent character yeah. vibe here, that would have actually been more tracking for the character. Right. Where she and smacked him and then she said, no one kisses me unless I want them to. And then she kisses yes. him. Yes. But I don't think- This is kind of a flawed moment. It is. I would wonder if Roger Moore would have allowed something like that. That's not his James Bond. It's hard to say. But he was not, he was not the Connery, though, either. No. He was he was all about like seducing women. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, it wasn't, wasn't about it, just taking was, and pillaging and conquering. Right. But by the same time, I, I don't know. We could we could argue about it forever. Right. But there's a kiss. There's Woo! a kiss, and, and that and, of and course then, leads to everything else that happens after James Bond kisses somebody. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we we cut back over there to the stakeout. You know, the fish stakeout, the fishing stakeout. Yes, yes. And there's our VJ and. Uh, he thinks he hears Q. Now, I'm trying to wonder if they were trying to establish this as a, they've been at this long enough that Q should be coming back now. Yeah. Or if it was just so briefly that she th- he thought maybe Q was coming back. Like he forgot something. Yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, he thinks it's Q, but it's not Q. It's, it's Gobinda there with guys in diapers and yo-yo blades. <sighs> and they were wearing more clothes when they were in the, the bar. Yeah. I don't understand why they had to change into the... Is it just because did they have to swim across the diapers, water? I'm guessing. And I mean, can you use a yo-yo blade against an alligator or a crocodile or whatever it is that they have out there? I don't know. I don't really know. It feels like it's more of a vertical thing than a horizontal. Yeah. Thing. Well, you know, I thought... That we'll get into that. I have some thoughts about the yo-yo saw blade coming up. Okay. Anyway, we'll continue. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but anyway, VJ gets yo-yoed. <sighs> so sad. It is sad. I really like this character. Yes. He brought a, a level of mirth, I guess, for lack of a better term, without just, it being forced. Just classy. He, had, just he just had classy. a very upbeat attitude about yeah. things that you don't really see in a lot of Bond characters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so, but he's dead. We're never going to see him again. Sorry, VJ. I, I do like, though, the in classic John Glenn style, when the saw blade drops on him, we cut to birds flying away, and then we have another shot of a bird, and then you see Bond with that. This again, so John Glennie, like snap zooms to Bond in bed. Is John Woo still in John Glenn's shtick? Hmm, interesting thought. We're we gonna have to change that to Glenn as fuck. 
possible something to ponder anyway so bond gets out of bed looks out to the sea and then we then see some of the baddies come out of the water you know ninja style underwater ninja Kinda, style but in diapers uh, but in diapers you know like you do like you when do. you're swimming ninjas yeah um <laughs> octopusy i would say lures him back to bed <laughs> i mean <laughs> he was pretty motivated but um <laughs> but as they're back in bed a drop of the water from the yo-yo blade Look, here's the thing. For yo-yo bladed assassins <laughs> in the water, like your M16 buddies, you got to carry it above the water. That's right. You don't, you don't, want, you don't want, want it to jam up or you, rust. That's right. And you have 0% chance of this happening when you're trying to make your kill. That's right. Um, drop water from the yo-yo blade falls on Bond's cheek. Bond looks out and says, out of the way! And pushes her <laughs> out of the way and the thing drops in the middle of the bed. Not killing either of them just in time. That's right. And then there's, there's more things dropping in it. You know, it's kind of funny that there's this giant fruit plate with pineapples right there. <laughs> yeah. And the yo-yo blade ends up going through them. Yeah. Just just so we can see another shot of this thing at work. Right. Well, they paid a lot of money for that prop. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> somebody in the county department was like, we paid that much money. That shit needs to be on the screen at least as much. <laughs> right. We need at least 10 more seconds of that saw blade right. somewhere. <laughs> and I mean, this fight that ensues is actually one of the best fights I think I've seen Roger Moore involved in. Absolutely. I mean... And I think he... It felt like he did a lot of his fighting in this. I mean, there's a, there's a couple moments when he throws the, the one guy into the tank, the mm-hmm. um, aquarium. Like, it's him. Yeah. And, and it looks good. And he's clearly... Roger Moore is pretty fit in this. Yeah. You know, it's just... He's getting some good judo throws in there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not stiff, like, view to a kill every fight in that right. one. Yeah. Um... He still kind of got it. He still got a little bit of he still got a little bit of moxie going in there at that point. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the fight, uh, Bond sends, as Ben mentioned, into the octopus tank. Yeah. Where he gets alien face hugged <laughs> by a poison. I'm just like, come on. I also love, I feel like there must have been some sort of puppeteering going on for that for, for that octopus to yes. do that little yep, thing on the guy's face. Yeah, yeah. That was absolutely puppeteered. I'm just like... <laughs> Because that's right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, face sucker, sure. So here's what I wanted to bring up. Also, is is just then is that's when Yo-Yo Blade guy saws through the door to start fighting with Bond. Right, and I'm thinking to myself, doesn't the saw blade only work based on like momentum? That's what I thought. If it's a yo-yo, there's no engine in this so why would it be able to cut through a door like a normal circular saw if there's no engine in it or is i have questions that's all i'm saying i mean (laughs) it could be like you know like like a like a duncan yo-yo trick you know you're shooting it forward and it's cutting you let it rest and it's still got yeah it's got angular momentum going and still cutting through so you just Picked it up kind of like you're doing a, a cradle. Yeah, doing a cat's cradle or <laughs> walk the dog. I don't know. I, I mean, So I'm he didn't walk the dog. He quickly picked it up and then ran it into the door. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, hey, I, I believe it's possible. Okay. That's all that I'm saying. Sure. I believe it's possible. <laughs> okay, so from, uh, from this point, Bon and the Yo-Yo Blade Man fight until they go through a window into the water and we get... The first incarnation of the James Bond Wilhelm scream. Oh! 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 
Soon to be reappearing in a view to a kill near you. That's right. Two more times at least. (laughs) So bad. It's like the worst sort of voiceover dialogue (laughs) in a video game. Indeed. And it's so obvious. So obvious. (laughs) So they go into the water fighting. And I have to point out at this point in time, Octopussy's people have finally gotten up there, the girls, and one of them has a gun and it fires darts. (laughs) <laughs> they can't even shoot real guns. They're shooting darts. Yeah, it's like, Which come on. Turns out to be a problem when your man's down there fighting with Yo-Yo Dude and alligators come up because what good are darts going to do against alligator right. crocodile things? I kind of wonder, though, if the darts thing is the fact that they're a circus group. And so maybe like the darts are like tranquilizer darts for the animals or this something like that. This is also like what that. I was thinking, but they're all armed with them. So when when they go in there, yeah, wouldn't somebody have when they a real go in gun? on the assault at the end? They're all carrying dart guns. Yeah, see, that's, so does that, Octopussy have a no kill thing? Maybe it could be. They don't explain be. it in the movie. It's certainly more civilized than yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Amazons don't kill unless they have to. That's right. But then they will go hack your head off if they got us. Damn, so. Skippy. But anyway, so Bond and Yo Yo Man, they're in the water, they're fighting, and a crocodile comes toward them, and there's bubbles, and they're screaming, and ah! nobody comes up, and dead, yeah. dead Bond, and the sad <laughs> octopusy. <laughs> Womp, womp, womp. But she needn't have worried, because as we see, Bond arrives at the other side of the river in his crocodile submersible. Wet this time, because he went to drink. The croc marine. The croc marine. I like it. As it were. A croc mercible. A croc mercible. So he gets out, meets up with Q. This is where he finds out that VJ is dead, and... We get an actual, genuine James Bond sad that somebody died moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. even he was like, man, I really like this guy in my movie. Yeah. I'm sad that he's dead, even though I knew it was coming because I read the script. <laughs> but Bond tells Q to have M meet him in Berlin and that he's got to get to that circus. That's right. So we get into the uh, MI6 exposition car, which should have been called the ME6 for Mercedes exposition car, where (laughs) M tells Bond that uh, he's verified that the Octopussy Circus was in East Berlin when they lost 009. He gives Bond a new identity, which sounds so dumb, (laughs) exits the car, and sends Bond off to East Berlin, letting him know that he's on his own for the rest of this mission. And it is funny, there is an actual look of concern from M as Bond drives past the checkpoint, as M's getting into the other car that's going to drive him away. Like, he's actually literally, like, legitimately concerned for once. Well, he's going behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah. How many times has Bond gone into, actually gone into the Soviet Union? Not any, many? I don't know. I can't think of any. Yeah. So... So there you go. Yeah, we'd be genuinely concerned too. Yeah. This is also the part of the movie where we start to see lots of Volkswagens popping up, so it makes me very happy. <laughs> and that, I would have to say, brings us to the end of Act 2. Okay, Act 3. Buckle up, kids. Because, <laughs> man. It's a long one. This is like five endings, but I digress. So now we cut to Octopussy Circus, and we see Mishka and Grishka doing their whole knife act as Bond walks in. And um, he's sitting on the opposite side of where Orloff, Octopussy, and Khan are seated. And then we see Magda, who's in her little sparkly number with the top hat, doing cheap magic tricks, picking people's pockets. Neat. You know. Like you do. I also like the uh, German guy who tells, yells at Bond to stop blocking his view yeah, and yeah. sit down. Sit the hell down. Yeah, it's like, we're all here to watch this. I, I do like... <laughs> When Bond's kind of hiding 
his face behind the program. Yes. So that Magda does recognize him. Then he gets behind the large gentleman, <laughs> the very large gentleman, to walk past Magda so she doesn't see him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I do find it interesting just in general. And maybe I'm just so over circuses in general. But it always felt like they were trying too hard to be mystified by this circus. Like all the mm-hmm. people there watching. Ooh. Yeah, everybody's just losing their mind over the circus. And I'm just like, eh, circus. It's, eh, mm-hmm. I don't know. As someone who's never been a big fan of circuses, I fail to see the appeal. <laughs> uh, when when the cannon guy goes off and they all lose their minds, I'm like, really? Yeah. yeah. Really? So anyway, afterwards, Orloff heads one way and then Octopussy heads off another way with uh, Kamal Khan and, and Gobinda. And Bond then finds a circus uniform so he can carry stuff so he can... <laughs> I love disguises. Well, so and every time he puts on one of these disguises, like, you're too well-dressed to be a guy working at a carnival circus well, who's moving boxes around. And his hair is so manicured. Yes. It's like, there's no, like, Bond sticks out like a sore thumb, even while wearing right. the uniform. Daniel Craig could have totally put on a jacket and looked like he worked there. Yes, yes. Right? But not Roger Moore will never. Nobody as pretty as Roger Moore would, would ever no. be seen in one of these costumes. No. So he's carrying the stuff to blend in, and man. Magda walks right past him without noticing. It's like, really? I'm just, you guys shag. <laughs> yeah. Anybody would recognize you from the back of your head, dude. Right. Exactly. So Bond sees the others reconvene inside one of the boxcars and Orloff and one of his men who's carrying the, that round jewelry thing. They enter the car as well. But then we cut back to the Kremlin art repository and... Gogol's there, and he intercepts Lincoln, and Gogol's guy is inspecting the Romanov star, and they can tell it's a fake as they drop it to the floor. And that's when we immediately cut back to a close-up where we see the real Romanov star that Octopussy is looking at, and that shot is so corny, too. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, wide-eyed stares, like, ooh, ah, Romanov star. We then see Bond just outside the car and he gets underneath it to see if he can get a better look at what's happening inside which was weird it's like how are you how are you seeing anything how's there a big giant crack in the floor that you can see through to what's going on but you know it seemed like a good idea to him at the time (laughs) they made it work so anyway we cut to inside and they're welding this jewelry tube inside the big cannon And then afterwards, Orloff tells Octopussy to stay there while they move the car to the other track, which is where the deception happens. And Bond then rides underneath the car as it's moved into the tunnel where there's an identical red car with an identical cannon, which they are now putting an atomic bomb into that cannon. And that's the car that's going to roll back out to go with the circus. This whole portion seems very This is very... I mean, it's just a lot. I mean, I get... So the point being that Octopus, he has to think that the thing that's sealed in the cannon is the jewels. Yes, they're trying to deceive her and think, make her think that the jewels are still in the cannon, but in fact, it's now been replaced by a different cannon with a bomb in it. Right, and it just seems so overly complex a way to accomplish that. Yes. Because I'm like... Very well, much so. When did they go to a roundabout to switch the trains around? It's 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 ridiculous. I got very... I don't know, I didn't get confused. I just got very antsy about the gigantic plot hole that they were pointing out right, right. there. 
Yeah, the, the plot hole being, oh, Octopussy's fine with just standing here waiting while this car gets moved into a dark, dark tunnel. A dark tunnel. tunnel where you can't see where anything. you can't see anything. And then, oh, we're just moving it to a different track. Right. Sure you are. That was kind of like a weekday in the writer's room. Yeah. Maybe it's the last thing that they wrote. They're like, I'm done. Yeah. How do we... How do we... Oh, she goes into a dark tunnel, comes out the right way. Let the viewer figure it out. <laughs> so while this is all going on, while they're putting the bomb inside the cannon, we see one of the Russian soldiers describing to Gobinda how the bomb is working. And we see Bond listening in. So he now knows how this bomb works, how to turn it off, how to turn it on. Except. This is important later. This is important later, kids. Although not seeing them explain something has never stopped James Bond from understanding how something works. Right, from knowing everything. Correct. So after the car with the bomb in it leaves the tunnel and gets reattached to the train, one of the twins, who's also clearly in cahoots, is now cutting the jewelry container back out of the cannon. Bond enters this car, and of course the twin, man, and this is a thing in this movie, is people seeing, well, here, here's the funny thing. Early in the movie, nobody sees anybody in, the, in a reflection of anything. Uh-uh. But at the end of the movie... They see people coming at them in the reflection of everything. Mm -hmm. So physics says reverse. So basically, if it's an attack, you're going to see a reflection. If it's just hiding a, I don't know, Fabergé egg, you're not going to see a reflection. Nope. Okay. Fair enough. So, <laughs> so the twin can basically see Bond in the reflection of the Romanov star. Uh, he spins around with the welding tool and he sends Bond to the floor. Bond then kind of cleverly hits the lever for the cannon and the, the cannon falls and knocks out Mishka or Grishka, whichever one. I don't really care. And Ishka is involved. And Ishka is involved. So then so then Bond puts on the twins' outfit. Does he wear more different disguise outfits in this movie than any other Bond movie? He wears so many different outfits in he this. He really does. He's constantly changing whether it's somebody else's clothes, a workman's uniform, a gorilla suit coming up. Clown costume. Clown costume. I mean. And also, isn't Roger Moore like six feet taller than this knife throwing twin? Yes. But the costume fits fine. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. It's a little tight in the crotch. A little bit. Well, he's just wearing the shirt anyway. Maybe maybe he's one of those guys who's got really long legs and a really short torso. Could be. Could be. <laughs> the, shirt just, the shirt just works because if, if you stood them up shoulder to shoulder, they're the it's same fine. length. Right. It's just like four inches of feet dangling at the bottom. <laughs> right. Okay. It's like Conan O'Brien, that guy. Yeah, yeah. So then after he puts on the shirt, he puts Mishka or Grishka inside the barrel of the cannon to hide him. And then that car is now being pulled out of the tunnel where Orloff is coming to meet it. And it's interesting. We get this quick shot of Bond pocketing Romanoff's star, which it does have a payoff. But at the time, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. Like this, the kind of like this whole area, scene? this whole scene of this movie is like, what the fuck is going on? Right. <laughs> so anyway, so after the guards transfer this jewelry case to the trunk of the car, Orloff boards the train to immediately being find himself being held at gunpoint by Bond. And then we get the whole, we get the classic Bond. Bad guy reveals his entire plan, telling that when the bomb blows up on the U.S. airbase, that it will be assumed an accident, which will prompt this well, military stand down. Yeah, but I mean, Bond at least was involved in it. The early warning system will not, they'll let them know that it wasn't a nuclear attack. Right, exactly. Like, there's this whole... There's a realization. 
Right. Like I was almost waiting for Orloff to go, you're getting it. Go on. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Yeah. So like you said, the alarm will go off that says it it had to have been an accident. Right. And therefore prompts a military stand down, which will in turn make the borders vulnerable. So Orloff can proceed with his ridiculous dream of invading Europe. Right. Because invading Europe and traditional means wouldn't engender the United States just coming and bombing the shit out of everything with conventional right. weapons. Right, exactly. But okay, well, it's Orloff, you know. He's a, little, I almost feel he's like, a bit of a nutter, that one. Yeah, it don't... Mm. <laughs> so after he reveals this whole evil plan, just then a guard comes through the door and Orloff escapes as the shootout begins. Orloff orders his, his troops to kill Bond and then Bond has to make his escape. In the process, though, he somehow manages to steal Orloff's car... With the jewels in it. Right. And then Orloff has to chase after Like, how is nobody manning this this car that's got million millions of dollars worth of jewelry in it? Mm-hmm. Nobody's in this car? Nobody's mm-hmm. near it? Just yeah. nothing? Orloff didn't want to call attention to what was in there. Okay. That's 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 the reason I'll, rationale I would use. All right. I'll bite. <laughs> so he then makes a break to get out of this train station. And this is just ridiculous this just is things start to get crazy around this part because first we see the car going up on two wheels and apparently the bottom of the car is bulletproof oh of course although this has been proved in other spy movies as well so Mm -hmm. all all bottoms of all cars are bulletproof correct so then he runs over some spikes which tear up the tires but of course this is convenient for him because now he can chase after the train that he's trying to get to because apparently the rims perfectly seat yeah, they're, on they're the train tracks. Absolutely. It's perfectly spaced to be the right gauge for those tracks. That's right. Of course. You know, that brand of car, perfect. Perfect width. Well, it is a Mercedes. Was it a Mercedes? I can't remember that one was a Mercedes. Uh, might have been. I think it was a Mercedes. Yeah. Mercedes knows how to engineer everything. That's right. So so he gets on the train tracks, and then, and then of course, we get the line from Orlov go, follow that car. So they're off. And you kick in the 007 theme and we're off to the races. So Bond is in pursuit of the circus train and they're getting towards one of the, uh, what are those guys called? The guys that control the tracks, the engineers or whatever. Yeah. Switchman. The switchman. And the switchman sees that Bond is, is quickly coming up behind the train. So he switches Bond to the track that runs parallel. And Bond's just another wide-eyed look from Bond as he keeps going. And at this point, he gets... Right next to the side by side with the train, and he conveniently finds an umbrella in the back of the car, which apparently, I mean, I'll hey, take it. You know, Soviets come well prepared. Uh, apparently so. So he uses the umbrella to jam the gas pedal so that he can then go up out of the sunroof and jump onto the side of this train. Mm-hmm. So, and that's of course just before the oncoming train comes by and smashes the living shit out of this car and sends, sends it, it flying, flying into the air. Impossibly, it's crashing ridic- into a boat. Which, funny enough, there's a little story about that, and it's in the it's in the actual shot too. When the car lands in that pond, the stunt guy barely. I know, barely got it. away from it. It was so close. That was poorly timed. Yeah. Just so John Glenn. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we now see that Orloff is still in pursuit of the train, just yelling at his driver like like a fucking man. Well, and, the, and you're not getting any any of the voiceover from right. it. He's it's just, just him gesticulating wildly. Right. <laughs> but he's he's on the road. They, they're not on train tracks because apparently their car that they're in, the axles just were not the same no, width as the no, train tracks. So no. they had to stay on the road. Dang so it. So anyway. <laughs> 
At this point, Bond is climbing up on top of the train. He then finds a hatch and looks in and conveniently sees uh, Mishka, or Grishka. Actually, it's Grishka. I looked it up. Practicing knife throwing. Because at this point, Mishka is dead. Oh, he's very dead. He's in a cannon somewhere. Dead in a cannon. So Bond sneaks into the car. And this is a weird little moment. And I'm not sure why. Maybe he's trying to hide the brother like so that they don't find the brother, but he takes the lever that controls the cannon position off, I think. Hmm. Or maybe he's grabbing that as as like a potential weapon. Maybe. And th- But all I know is right after he grabs it, he then like kind of hides because Gobinda comes in. Right. So he hides behind the clothes or whatever. And then Gobinda says that they're to stay in the car until they cross the border. We then cut to Orlov's car being pulled out of the fishing hole by Gogol and his men. Right. And they find the jewelry trunk and match the plates back to Orloff. And one of his guys tells him that Orloff is heading for the western border. So we then see that the train's at the border checkpoint and officials are now boarding the train to inspect. And that's when we find out Bond has silently... Quickly and silently. Quickly, silently, and basically impossibly into a gorilla suit. Yeah, buddy. Where I am getting some major trading places vibes. Oh, I think it was the exact same monkey suit. (laughs) Honestly. I mean, it looked... Yeah, dead bang on from Trading Places. 1983, man. There you go. So anyway, so the officials leave and the train starts leaving the DDR. And this is such a weird moment. I don't entirely understand this. Is this just the only way that Orloff can escape? The fact that he's so desperate to get on this train where he's he's yelling at his driver. He jumps out of the car. He dashes past the guards screaming that he has to get on the train. And like the guards are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're going down, buddy. You know, you're going to immediately get, you know, so they, they're going to shoot him. Meanwhile, Gogol's in a helicopter trying to catch him. Right. <laughs> so he comes down. The border guards shoot Orloff, of course. And then Gogol walks up to him as Orloff is crawling along the, the train tracks. And Gogol's just calling him a common thief, essentially. Right. But then Orloff is like, tomorrow at this time, I will be a hero of the Soviet Union. <laughs> Once again, in a much better accent, the Russian accent, than uh, Victor Maitland was able to come up with. <laughs> sure you will, buddy. I just think it's funny that, you know, back in the 80s, the automatic thing was if a Soviet citizen was trying to escape through a checkpoint, they would just immediately be gunned down. Right, right. Even though he's he's clearly in, he's yeah. a general. yeah. In the Soviet Union something. Yeah. In the army or something like that. Like they wouldn't have pause to maybe go. For just a moment. Maybe we shouldn't shoot this guy. We could get in trouble if we do right. this. Right. No, <laughs> like, we are bored of the guards. If you try and leave, you will be shot immediately. And then there's also that they were East German border guards. Right. So I guess there's a whole other level there. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Just that, you know, in the Soviet Union, don't try and escape. Right? Plain and simple. No matter who you are. No matter who you are. You you... could have been that Brezhnev-looking mofo from the spinning war room with them (laughs) eyebrows. They'd have been like, sorry, comrade. Pop, 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 pop. You could have looked just like Michael G. You could have. And And maybe should have. (laughs) Maybe he was one of the guys shooting people. We just didn't realize it. Yeah. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. So... So then we cut back inside the train car and Bond's sweating away inside the gorilla costume. But also uh, <laughs> Gobinda, Grishka, and Kamal Khan are setting the timer on the bomb. And 
This moment kills me. I was laughing so hard. I don't know why I forgot about this moment when I started to do my notes for this movie, but <laughs> when they say it is now 1145 and Bond in the gorilla suit looks down at his wrist as if he's wearing a watch on top of the gorilla uniform. Yep. It's so good, at least for me. I know it's a terrible joke. The thing is, here's my thoughts about terrible jokes, just okay. in general. Okay. Is there's bad jokes, and there are jokes that are so bad that they become funny again because they are so terrible. And that, for me, is one of them. Okay. <laughs> anyway, they arm the bomb to go off at 3.45 p.m. So, Khan leaves, and then... Gobinda goes to leave, but Bond bumps into this metal thing loudly, and Gobinda turns around, and then, again, Bond is a time-traveling, mystic, (laughs) amazing... He he just... (laughs) vibrated his molecules out of the costume. Out of the costume before Gobinda goes over there and chops the head off of the costume. But I will say that that shot is lined up so well. It's it's such a... I just love the fact that it's an intentional shot. The fact mm-hmm. that right in the line of view where the head of the gorilla costume falls off behind it, you see Bond's legs come yep. up out of the hatch yep. as he gets on top of the car. It's just... It's a well... It's a good shot. It's a there's well no put together shot. So then Bond is on top of the train. He's jumping from car to car. Uh, kudos to Roger Moore on those uh, stunts. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so Gobinda is quickly moving through the cars to try and keep up. Uh, he goes past Magda, who definitely takes notice of, of what's going on. Uh, then we see Bond come down off the roof and into a car. And he, he sees in the car behind him. And Gobinda is explaining to Kamala Khan that he's like pointing to the roof. So Bond knows that he can't stay on the roof if he's trying to stay hidden or whatever. Right. We see Khan grab his gun. Bond then starts to make his way on the side of the train before getting to Octopussy's car. And of course she's naked and getting a massage. Of course she is. Yes. And Bond tries to get her attention. But just then that's when Khan busts in and starts shooting at him. Strangely enough, no one has recognized that it's Bond. Right. In this moment. Like nobody seems to realize that. It's, maybe he's moving that fast. So, well, he can vibrate his molecules. So like the true. flash, it could be moving very fast. That's right. So they continue this insanely long, drawn-out chase uh, where Bond gets back on the roof after fighting Gobinda in between cars. But now he's fighting Gobinda on the roof, fighting Gobinda here, fighting Gobinda there, fighting <laughs> Gobinda everywhere. But they're on the roof at the moment. And Khan tells Mishka or Grishka, whichever, to go help. So, so Grishka gets on top of the roof and he's like, Mishka! And Bond turns around and, and suddenly Grishka knows what's going on. So, you um, killed my brother! So now we've got this fight between Gobinda, Bond, and Grishka, where almost immediately Bond and Grishka get thrown from the train. And this foot chase ensues, and Bond winds up at this little cabin in the middle of nowhere on Pinewood Studios, and <laughs> and Grishka pins him to the door with these throwing knives. With the <laughs> it's so silly because it's just his clothes, it's just his shirt. Yeah. If you really wanted to do damage, why were you throwing them into him? Yeah, right. If you're that accurate, just hit him. Part of my magic spell is that I can't actually hit anything flesh, only around flesh. (laughs) That's right. That's why I never hit my brother. So Grishka goes after Bond. And then, of course, Bond at the last minute turns the door handle and opens up the door. And Grishka goes flying in and he takes one of the knives out and throws it at Grishka and kills him. And he's like, that's for 009. (laughs) 
So then there's we see this parade going on at the airbase, and the circus is basically throwing this parade before they wind up at the tent, I guess. And we cut to Bond, and he's now back on the road and checking his watch to see how long he has. And we're going to get a lot of... Inter- In this part, we get so much intercutting of the timer. It also reminds me that if I ever make a, a spy movie, you got to have a timer. Because if you need a cutaway, there's there's a timer right there. It's true. You just... You just Cut to the timer for like three seconds, and then you can cut back to anything you want. Mm-hmm. Just saying. So anyway, uh, so I love this moment. He's hitchhiking because it's 1983, and it's still cool to do, and nobody's going to kill you. Right. And he's in Germany, so maybe the Germans are nicer. I don't know. Um, so we get shots of the parade with the cannon in it, and the camera. I-, I found it interesting. I don't know if this was planned, but it felt like it might have been planned, where you see the cannon in the shot, and then the camera moves, and you see the stop sign, almost like you're trying to stop the cannon. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, so then we get that funny shot where Bond's trying to hitchhike, and this convertible full of young people like drive by, and they slow down for him at first, and then they're like, ah, and then they drive away. And then he gives them the- <laughs> He gives them the old, uh, what is that? I mean, it's kind of the bird, but it's like with your arm. Yeah, just gives them the old, <laughs> ah! That was a Carmen Ghia convertible, by the way. Huh. One of my most wished for cars in high school. Yeah, very nice car. If I was in high school, I would want that car. Sure. I want that car now. Anyway, so he cuts to the cannon being rolled into the tent and Khan reassuring Octopussy that Gobinda will stay with the quote-unquote jewelry. And now we see that Bond has gotten a ride with the most stereotypical German couple. Eating the most stereotypical German food. Yes. Driving the most stereotypical German car. Yes. Wearing the most stereotypical German hat. And clothing, and they offer him a stereotypical German beer on top yes. of everything else. <laughs> Meanwhile, Roger's in the back saying no in German. Yeah, over and over, over again. and over again. So they get to a nearby town, and he jumps out, and like they're still trying to talk to him and engage uh-huh. with him, and he's like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> right? We're done now. Thank we're, you. We're done now. Thank you. So he runs to a oh the eighties. He had to run to a payphone. Correct. Try and make a call. And this woman insists I, she's there. And she's like, no, nah, fuck you, asshole. I'm here first. Right. So, so he's like, screw it. Fine. I'll steal your car instead. Yep. So he steals a Alfa Romeo GTV6. It's a very nice car. It is a very nice car. And I think that, again, once again, this movie has influenced me in my childhood because now I have this love of hatchbacks. Mm-hmm. And, and this probably started it because that's an awesome car. Oh, it absolutely is. Anyway, so now the cops are after Bond because he's now stolen a car. Driving two BMWs in a BMW motorcycle, I might add. Yes. Because in Germany, and, and they do. They use BMWs in Germany for police cars. But, you know, in my head, just like, really? BMWs? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not in America. I'm in Germany. It's just another car there. Yeah. So now the circus is about to get underway and Octopussy is sitting with Khan, an Air Force general played by uh, Bruce Boa, who is also General, how does that pronounce, Rykian? Hold on a second. So we had General Rykian and Admiral Mahdi sitting right next to each other? Yes. And as Jason just mentioned, the general's aide was played by Richard Le Parmentier, who played General Mahdi in A New Hope, Star Wars. So. so we had a rebel general and we had an uh, imperial admiral sitting next to each other. Yes. Watching a circus. Yes. 
And being stupefied by it. Like oh, they were so dumb, dumb, just so dumb, dumb, stupefied by this circus. Then Khan excuses himself while the circus is going on to make quote unquote travel arrangements, i.e. he's going to get the hell out of there. Right. And so he gets in the car with Gobinda. And I love when they first get in this car, the car doesn't start on the first try. And they both just like look at each other and then they, they turn yes. it again and it finally turns over and then they go. But it was just a, it was a nice little it was a added. Good, like VJ's joke earlier about the backhand. Yeah. It was it was a nice little subtle joke in there yeah. in a movie full of not subtle jokes. <laughs> right. Well, it's one of those great moments in Mission 2 when tech doesn't work. Right. And you can make a joke out of it. Right. So, so then we see Bond and he flies past Khan and Gobinda going the other way. And Gobinda's like, that was Bond. But Khan is like, he'll be late. Just keep going. So then we get this. Oh, my gosh. This next part is hilarious to me. So Bond rolls up to the entrance of this Air Force base and... You know, I generally really, really like Roger Moore, but this is maybe the worst piece of acting (laughs) from Roger Moore in this moment. This one little moment where he rolls up to the Air Force base where the guard is and he goes, I need to see the base commander. And the guard's like, let me see your circus pass. And he goes, damn it, man, I said it's urgent. Well, if it's urgent. Right. Well, then, and then he goes, then drive- we're going to let you see the base commander. Right. And then Bond goes driving through the barricade. Right. And the SP that's posted there, instead of shooting at him, starts shooting in the sky to warn him. <laughs> I mean, I this guy know. who you don't know from anybody just crashed onto United States government property. Right. Right. You have You didn't shoot him? As as a guard, one of in your Germany. general rules would have just been to lay that mofo out. Right. And you're on a base in Germany. Right. Yeah, clearly not too far from the border of East Germany. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> they play off the security police on this base. Like Keystone fucking cops. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. And it gets better because then the guard gets on the radio and he goes, there's a man in a stolen vehicle who's breached the base and he's wearing a red shirt. Right. (laughs) After (laughs) waving. Apparently he's the only person on this base. He's going to wear a red shirt. He's wearing a red shirt. After he lets the the German police on to the base. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell, man? There wasn't a whole lot of logistical thinking going on there. <laughs> so Bond then he skids up to where the big tent is and he jumps out and he runs for where all the uh, performer trailers are to try and hide from the cops that are quickly on his tail. <laughs> and of course, in true John Glenn fashion, he comes around a corner and there's a guy with a monkey. And the monkey like, monkey scare! <laughs> jumps out at Bond. Then we cut back to inside the tent and they're pushing the cannon into position behind the curtain. We also get a, another quick countdown to the, to the bomb. And now we're back in the trailer lot and the cops are looking around for Bond when Bond sees a bunch of clowns getting out of one of the trailers. So he goes in with the same idea that apparently 009 had. So How well did that work out for 009? Yeah, not so great. But again, I like the fact that they did bring it back around so that he's wearing the exact same costume. Right, well, I don't know if you noticed, but one of the other clowns that came out was also wearing the same costume. Oh, yes, because we'll get to that. There's a reason for that. <laughs> so then we cut back inside the circus and the music has begun and they start rolling the cannon out. Again, we see the timer. At this point, it's 439. I actually wrote it in my notes this time. So maybe... So in four hours or four minutes and 39 seconds, all of this action that took place in about seven minutes happened. Yes. 
Okay. Yes. So, <laughs> so we go back out to the trailer lot, and out comes Bond magically within, you know, maybe a, a minute or so. Well, according to this timer, he did it in about 15 seconds. Right. So, fully made up. Fully made up. Just up. perfect. Like a, like a professional makeup artist had put clown makeup on him. That's part of the MI6 training for the double O agents is they have to go to clown school in France. (laughs) So he gets out of the trailer and the guards are like, did you see anybody go in there? And he's like, "Mm." (laughs) he keeps going. Then he goes past the guards and he's like, he does this little shuffle with his shoulders. He's like, I'm coming in now. And the guards are like, (laughs) (laughs) right, exactly. Again, Keystone cops all the way. And after he gets into the tent, he he gets right in the way of the human cannonball guy. And the curtain comes, gets thrown back and and everybody sees Bond there in the clown costume. So they all think it's part of this, like a part of the show. Yeah, part of the show, like a comedy act, like, ah, ha, ha, the clown's in the way. And then the cops figure out because they find this red shirt in the trailer. Oh, it must be the exact red shirt because nobody has a red shirt. Nobody here. has a red shirt on this airbase. So this nope. has to have been. Nope. It has to be. And therefore, he's the culprit. Therefore, the clown is the guy who was wearing the red shirt. <laughs> So then the cops come into the circus tent and they see Bond and Bond like rushes his way towards all the other clowns. And he goes right past the, the clown that's wearing the exact same thing. And of course, they apprehend the other clown. Of course they do. So the cops take him instead. Bond then finds where the general is sitting with Octopus and he runs over there and he tells them that there's a bomb in the cannon. And the general, of course, doesn't believe him. At that point, he yanks off the clown nose and he identifies himself as a British agent, <laughs> which admittedly, if somebody ran up to me like that i'd be like sure you are (laughs) okay (laughs) pal somebody's off his meds today right so he then looks over at octopussy and he says that there's essentially 90 seconds before the bomb's about to go off he hands octopussy the stolen romanov star the payoff for why he took the romanov star right kind of as proof that she's been double crossed but at that point this guard comes up and he tells the general that bond is either drunk or crazy a fair assumption which yeah exactly so bond runs down to the cannon sort of fighting his way through the crowd he grabs an axe to try and break the lock and they're holding him back but then he yells damn it let me let me go there's a bomb in there in his very british way (laughs) and there's this big ooh from the crowd and then octopussy steps in with a gun and shoots the lock open to reveal the bomb. And at that point, the general tells his guards to let Bond go. And so, of course, in the final seconds, Bond gets down in there and he deactivates the bomb, which should be the end of the movie. Right. But it's not. It's definitely not. (laughs) So sit tight. So the generals start congratulating Bond and we cut to Octopussy asking Magda where Kamal was headed. And Magda says back to India. But... If you watch closely, it's like a dub, and it's a bad dub at that. Really? So I don't know what Magda actually said hmm. in that scene. Instead, I'm just—it's just funny that they had to that they had to dub it over, like they made some sort of story change right there. Yeah, maybe, or maybe she just said the wrong line and they didn't pick it up. Yeah, who knows? So, so then we get this ridiculous thing over the loudspeaker where it's like. There's been a small emergency, but everything is fine now. (laughs) We're all fine here. And it's the general. (laughs) Is it the general saying it? Yeah, it's the general saying it. Okay. But then they're like, please exit the tent. So everybody's leaving and Octopussy leaves with Magda and Bond is surrounded by all these guys trying to congratulate him. So he's trying to see where Octopussy ran off to. And then we get this hard, hard cut. This is probably the most hardcore, like, cutting time out of this movie that I've seen yet, where we're suddenly... 
back in Kamal Khan's palace and Khan and Gobinda are packing up all his gold and he's throwing paper into the fireplace and apparently counterfeit money plates. Right, which I'm like, where did this... It was such a it's random so, addition. It's so random. And... Honestly, like I asked a couple people, like nobody I know, they just sort of, I think it's just one of those things where they were just trying to emphasize that this is a criminal or a villain who is, knows that it's time to pack your shit up and get out of there. So it was like something he had on another adventure and is like, y- yeah, he just, you know. he just happened to have counterfeit money plates sitting something in something else. Yeah. Just, just to show how corrupt he was or whatever, wow. but there's, there's no payoff for it. It really is. Other, none. other than when the cheap bribe that Khan right. tries to give to Octopussy later. But so he tells Gobinda they'll leave in the morning. And that's when uh, Gobinda looks outside and he sees the girls outside and Khan sort of sees it. And he's like, well, what's going on? And he's like, well, they're selling themselves. And he's like, good. I don't want them to see me slip out in the morning or right. what have you. So, but of course, all this is a ruse because the girls are basically just distracting the men so Octopussy and her lady fighters can uh, (laughs) make their way over the wall to invade. So then we see on the other side, on this other part of the palace, Octopussy along with more of her fighter ladies, the ones that are in, actually they're in all kinds of costumes in this one. They look like they're in their uh, performing costume. Yeah, they're just- We've got the Incredibles outfit, we've got- some sort Black of weird bikini a, thing. Yeah, almost Egyptian bikini. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was like some of them are in the more traditional Indian clothing. It was like were they in they were in such a hurry to get after Khan that Octopussy was like, look, don't change clothes. We gotta get over there. We gotta get over this wall. We gotta stop Kamal Khan. Exactly. <laughs> so they're doing like, you know, circus building pyramid type shit yep. to get over this <laughs> to get balancing over the, sticks. Yeah, balancing sticks to get over this wall. So they get over the wall and they knock out those guards and then octopusy signals to magda that they're in and so that's when the girls down by the street that were all dancing and they that's when they start fighting and knock off those guys right so then we see the girls hoist this tiered pole with octopusy as like the the queen of the circus right do the swooping thing up to the tippy top of this palace to get to where khan's office is or whatnot and showing off mad skills Right. Uh, sure, it was Maude Adams. Of course it was. Of course it was. Um, so inside, Khan is still burning documents in the fireplace and tells Gobinda to go saddle the horses. So that's when Octopussy comes in and she's like, did you really think you could escape me? And that's when Kamal Khan starts kind of backpedaling and blames the whole thing on Orloff and saying that they were all double-crossed. And yeah, Octopussy ain't having it. Octopussy ain't having it at all. That's when we get my favorite line in the entire... <laughs> Octopussy. It's just like by saying her name twice is somehow going to appease her Mm -hmm. and make it sound like he's that much more sincere about anything at all. Octopussy. 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 So, and he says, I was just going to bring you these counterfeit plates. Uh, you know, it's like as as a last ditch effort to make an excuse for, for everything that was going on. But then Gobinda sees the girls outside taking out the guards. Right. So he rings the alarm bell and that distracts Octopussy for a split second so that Khan could take his bag and like smack her with it. And then we get this brief little scuffle between Octopussy and Kamal. But then the guards come in and Khan orders them to... It's weird. He says, take her. She's our ticket out of here. But I don't know. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's just because... Well, as long as he has her... He has a hostage. Yeah, the women fighters aren't going to risk it because they're going to... 
because of, of her. So right, she's the ringleader, or whatever. Right. Quite quite literally, the ringleader. Aptly <laughs> enough. <laughs> so at this point, with the alarm going off, the real fight sort of kicks off, and Khan's men begin to sort of even up the fight. But that's when we get one more. <laughs> Really, really silly moment. Because why wouldn't you, as a as the British Secret Service in India, float in on a hot air balloon with the British flag as your? Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> Jason is speechless. <clears throat> to say that it was over the top is both a joke about it being a hot air balloon <laughs> and a joke about it being a hot air balloon with a Union Jack emblazoned upon it. Right. So Bond and Q. Make their way over. And I, I love too, because that's we get that great little moment too where I trust you can handle this contraption cue. It goes by hot air. Oh then you can. <laughs> keep going and uh so they make their way over the wall and they see that the octopusy women are doing pretty well but octopusy is in trouble with gabinda kind of nabbing her so bond has q rise back up again a little bit so he can <laughs> jump off the balloon yep. and, into, and into Khan's room yep uh, <laughs> jason's just shaking his head so he chases after them this whole scene is ridiculous. It's so. I mean, it, he, he runs. He gets. There's gunfire, and he ducks, and he's right. He's head to head with this tiger rug, and he looks at the tiger rug and does a double take. Again, John Glenn's name is just all over this movie. Mm-hmm. Glenniest of Glens. Glenniest of Glens. And then we get the sliding down the banister with the machine gun bit, which which so- I do like. I do too, but so here's one of the things that really annoyed me about this. They're carrying AK-47s that are now selected to single shot. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. 007 gets in there, switches it to fully automatic by adjusting the clip, which is not how that works, I don't think. <laughs> and mows them down. And mows them down and a banister at the same time. I mean, Did, it, did they not know that they were fully automatic? <laughs> I have no idea. Have they not seen an 80s movie with every bad guy using one of them? I think they knew that the 007 theme was going at this very moment, and they were like, oh, it's time to die. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair, because you know, there wouldn't have been no time, but that's much later. Oh, that's much later. So now, this is a weird little moment where Bond goes down into the lower area of the palace again, and he's trying to find Octopussy, and she's already been taken outside, and he sees it on his watch. Right. You with know, the crystal liquid. Because there's a camera mounted to the, uh, balloon, the hot air balloon. Which is so weird. Which is a weird, you know, it's just like... Clearly, I, I can't imagine why this is here other than the fact that this is a movie. And mm-hmm. so then we cut to outside and now it apparently is the middle of the day. Right. We go from night to immediately broad day, like, like it's noon. So anyway, <laughs> Gobinda and Octopussy are by the horses and he just straight up knocks her ass oh, out. Oh, I know. And throws her over his shoulder. Bond, meanwhile, is still kind of almost bumbling in the cellar, looking for a way out to get out to them. Right. And finally finds the button to open the door and get outside. But at this point, Khan and Gobinda right away with Octopussy knocked out cold. So they're off on horses. And then we cut back to the main square of the palace where all the 
all the fighting was going on with the octopusy women. And there's this one guy that's got a bunch of girls at gunpoint. But then Q <laughs> in the balloon <laughs> drops down and lands right on him. Right on him. And at, immediately the women are all over him. And that moment is kind of one of my favorite parts in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Just the fact that the, the women are all flirty, flirty. It's like, oh, there's no time for that. Well, maybe hey, later. Maybe later. <laughs> I'm like... Q finally got laid. Finally. <laughs> so then we see Bond on a horse chasing after as we see Khan with Gobinda carrying Octopussy as they get into the plane. And of course, Bond's chasing after this plane that's trying to take off on the horse. Yep. And the, I will say, it's not a great transition, Bond getting onto the plane from the horse. It's a little awkward the way they... There's not really a, a, a not awkward way to do that. Yeah, because it's... Because the horse it's so, can't run fast right, enough to get so, on the side. It's so unrealistic, and they just kind of smash cut it together, and there you go. He's on the plane. He's on the plane now. He's on the plane. The plane Let's takes... get on to the next cool stunt so you forget about this immediately. <laughs> That's right. So now the plane takes off with Bond on top of it. Now, I will say, despite the fact that I am slightly fatigued of the movie at this point, this fight... Mm -hmm. On this plane is fantastic because of the stunt work done. Oh, yeah. And it's cut together really well. And the stunt man actually looks just like Roger Moore. So kudos to those guys. And if you want, you can, if you just do a really simple Google search online of how this scene was put together, there's a really great thing on YouTube about it, actually. Huh. But anyway, we get some shots of obviously not Roger Moore. Jake Lombard, by the way, was the stuntman who played Bond. And then... Uh, this other stuntman named B.J. Worth doubled for Kabir Badi's character, although not as successfully. <laughs> That's fair. So then we see Bond peek in and he makes eye contact with Octopussy, which, I mean, <laughs> dumb. Anyway, so then Khan does some dives and some rolls to try and get Bond off the roof. And the stuntman's just holding on for dear life and he makes it around the loop-de-loop -loop and all sorts of shit. But like you pointed out earlier, if he had just kept doing that stuff, Stuff, yep. Eventually, Bond would have just let go and died. But, Absolutely. But, you know, that's what bad guys do. They give up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they don't give up. They send their dumbass underlings to go fight them on top <laughs> that, of an airplane. That's right. So, and if he'd been a true Bond villain, as soon as they started fighting, he'd have been like, and bye to both of you. Right. <laughs> I win. <laughs> right? Just blown away. So yeah, after after he does the loop-de-loops and stuff, Khan thinks that Bond is gone, but then Gobinda sees him on the wing yanking cables out of one of the engines and essentially stops one of the engines. And, right. You kill us all. Go out there and get him. And Gobinda's <laughs> like, out there? Me? Yeah. <laughs> so... He's like, yes, go. Do the finger pointing thing, yes. too. <laughs> so he goes out there, but not before smacking Octopussy again. Poor Mod. Well, the thing is, is she'd <laughs> only waited uh, 10 seconds more to right. wake up or to stop pretending she was asleep. She could push his ass right out of the plane. Right? As soon she as he opened just, the door, he could have, she just, boom, and off he would have gone. Indeed. So then Gobinda gets out there, and we get this little fight. On uh, top of an airplane. On top of an airplane. That... Let's all, like I said, uh, Tom Cruise would have done himself. Tom Cruise but, would have done it himself, but, you know. But this is this is a quality, quality stunt. Yes, very much so. If it would have been a quality stunt in a movie now. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of badass. So we get the little fight, and then Bond slides back on the plane and pulls the antenna back, and then lets it, lets it go ping right in the face, and bye-bye, Gobinda. 
Ah, good thing you weren't wearing a parachute and will die at your death. Good thing there's not a parachute underneath your coat or anything. Yeah, it's not like you're prepared like Cuban paratroopers. (laughs) So then we get a bit of quasi-physics coming up where Bond slides to the back of the plane and uses his feet to push the elevators, the, the little flaps on the back wing of the of the plane down to make the plane dive and somehow Khan can't offset that with his controls. Mm-hmm. 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 Well anyway, those movies. Well so, at this point in time the makers of the film were as ready for the film to be over <laughs> as I am right now. <laughs> so the plane dives down and it almost looks like Khan is sort of forced to land. I get, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird little moment where he sort of lands, but doesn't throw the brakes on or something, or maybe he doesn't have enough runway. I don't know. I just, and so none of this makes any fucking so, sense to me. Right. So I just, I almost wish they had just jumped out of the plane on its own, and Khan dips the wing too much and flips the plane over and crashes that way. All of this was just really, really dumb. <laughs> really dumb. <laughs> I've watched Mission Impossible. I've seen what really good plane stuff looks like. This is really dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. So Khan half lands, but doesn't totally land? Yeah, yeah. And then just enough time for Bond and Octopussy to jump out. Granted, apparently Bond sustains severe injuries during this, but... And then Octopussy is hanging. Bond is holding on to her over this ledge. And then from there, Khan flies into his death. Kaboom. Kaboom. So he's dead. And then Bond manages to muscle up and pull her back up. And then uh, that's kind of that scene. But then, uh, you know, this wouldn't be a Bond movie if we didn't have a classic Bond ending, especially in 1983. Sure. So we do a hard cut and Google is in M's office saying the Soviet Union categorically denies that this event ever occurred. But then requests that the Romanov star be returned. And the Minister of Defense is there and he's like, we can do that soon. But then M kind of cuts in and goes, well, Bond's injuries are so severe right now that they won't allow him to travel just yet. That then cuts us to the octopusy boat. And I, I, I can't, it just never ends. It just never ends. We get to the boat. We're not even in the boat yet. We just see the outside of the boat. And what do you hear? In. Out. In. Out. Mm. Wonder what's going on inside the boat. Uh-huh. So, so, so Bond's in bed with the leg brace and the arm brace. He's making out with Octopussy. And Octopussy's like, I wish you weren't so injured. And he's like, little wry smile. And he yanks himself out of all the braces and flips her over and then cut to the outs. Oh, James. <laughs> and... The end. Thank God. (laughs) I think that's the Achilles heel of this movie is that it just, it's so convoluted at the end. Just the whole thing with the jewels and the counterfeit jewels and like, it's just too much. They needed to dumb it down or or not dumb it down, but just simplify some things because because it forced them to, pay everything off over and over and over well, again. That's the thing. There should, have, there should have just at least been an explanation. Like, it's a Bond movie. Have somebody just lay it all out. Yeah. You know, the fake we... Orloff is paying us off to deliver this bomb by giving us all the actual jewels. Right. But the fake jewels will be going back to Russia so that no so, one knows they're gone. Right. If they would have just done that, they could have saved themselves a world of time. I mean, if they just hired some decent screenwriters, <laughs> they could have written something better than all of this nonsense. I think this was just 
I think sometimes, and I, I think this applies to anyone in their workplace, is sometimes at companies, they just get into a certain way of doing things. Yeah. And then they, they just can't see their way out of it. Yeah. And so they just keep doing it the same way, even though it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars more money than if they just took a step back, re-examined what they were doing, and then maybe did it a different way. All I'm and saying streamlining is... streamlining the process. All I'm saying is, is that <laughs> if you're good at your job, you can find ways to make things better within the framework that the job wants those things done. I suppose. Or you can just go in and tow the company line, collect a paycheck, and not accomplish anything other than yes. what the expectation is. And these particular writers in this particular circumstance followed a template and did nothing <laughs> to try and improve upon that template whatsoever. Yeah, well, you know, they stuck to the plan. And it made a heap lot of money. It, it so did. So you can't complain with the results. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I do love this movie. I do love it. I do get tired towards the end because it does feel like it just kind of goes on and on. <laughs> and, you know, there's some moments like they felt so obligated to shoehorn in Fleming into the movie. Like to have to shove that whole octopusy backstory in. Just because it was in the book, right? that felt long. The jewel thing felt long. So there was a lot of stuff that could have easily been compressed right? to make this... It, it was a long two hours. Yeah, it, it, it feels like it's not a two-hour movie. That's the thing. It's a normal length movie Yeah, that feels like it's a half hour too long. Yeah, right? absolutely. But, absolutely. You know, with all the, ex- the effort that they put in with Octopussy, I really felt like Octopussy would have come back. Yeah, like there would have been opportunities for the character to reappear like Max does in, yeah. in Mission Impossible. Or I would least- love to. I would actually really like to see that. Like that would be a cool thing. And I mean, especially now that we're in a period where they're about to reboot Bond. Well, I say about to. I mean, like in about four years. Four to ten years. <laughs> four to ten years, we may get a reboot of Bond. But whenever they do, Octopussy's just sitting right there. Right. Well, you see, so in my mind, I go to like to the comic book thing. Octopussy could have been the Talia Al Ghul to Bond's Batman, right? Who just it, showed up. Well, she was part of an underworld organization. Right. Maybe a little bit better of a human being than the person running that organization. Right. But they fall in love. They make a baby. They have all this history. And we won't even go into babies <laughs> with James Bond. Right. But... <laughs> She would constantly come back into Batman's life at kind of the wrong time. Yeah. And then weave all this intrigue and everything and make Batman all fuzzy and maybe Catwoman's not that great. I'm like, you're an idiot. It's Catwoman. (laughs) But the thing is, is Octopussy could have been like that romantic interest for James that could never get serious because of who she was. Yeah. But could have been a recurring character to provide that level of tension for him. Yeah, because they've successfully brought back other char- male characters. Correct. They brought Zukovsky back. They brought Felix you know, Leiter. Felix, you know, shows up the in the perennial. Yeah. Why not bring a strong female character who is completely self-sustained and right. you know, has got her own shit going on. That isn't your boss. That isn't your boss. Yeah. That so would be a very cool thing to Something to, bring to back. think about if you really wanted to bring Octopussy back in is to keep that character viable. And I will say too, like you're right about they clearly put a ton of effort into this movie just based on the fact that the stunts are great. The VFX is great. There's a lot of good stuff in this movie, but it does the it end It suffers from the writing. It suffers from the writing and it's and I do think it's slightly suffers from the era because again, they were kind of in this era of let's make silly bond and let's yeah. You know, like, 
It had, it had been around so long that it began to parody itself. Right. The only way they were able to fix that was to hard boot it out. I think it's a really fun movie. Yes, it's problematic because 1983, but I do have a good time with it. And I will honestly say that it's one of those movies that I really like watching for about the first hour. Mm-hmm. And then I start to get tired. Mm-hmm. And, and then I kind of doze off and I forget about the second half of the movie yeah, a, lot, a lot of the time. And that's fine. And that's fine. That's fine. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts you have about Octopussy, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> Not that we'll take another hour for us to get through it, so no. <laughs> All righty then. Well, as always, we're always looking for listener interaction, tens of listeners. So let us know what you thought of Octopussy or what you think of this podcast and uh, what you think of this podcast treatment of octopusy indeed any of those things or anything else you'd like to know i have a really good recipe for french toast if you're interested in that hey we'll 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 give it to you man if you like french toast we can give that out too hell yeah we might even change our whole podcast and just start doing a cooking we'll do we'll do a french cooking show with louis jordan oh my god i'm going to make you the French toast. <laughs> but yes, get in touch. Contact us on email at cicdeaddrop at gmail.com. On Instagram, it's Central Intelligence Cinema separated by underscores. There is a whole slew of other social medias that I could get into, but I'm not because we've gone very long anyway. Uh, you can find them all at the bottom of the description of this very podcast you're listening to. But uh, I think that's about it, man. Can we go now? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, with that, I'm Ben. And I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more Okutu Pussies.